0: We always say it, prevention is better than a cure. At the heart of our healthcare system is general practitioners, the ones who are in the prime position to champion preventative care, but the system doesn't incentivize them to do so. On the show today, I chat with Dr. Gihan Demel at Next Practice Clinic in Prahran. And in this episode we talk about how to encourage those most at need to prioritize their health. The role of payers, including employers, in funding preventative care, and how technologies like the Stream Deck and generative AI can improve efficiency in general practice. Collaboration starts with the conversation, Team Health Tech. Let's make it up. This is Talking Health Tech with me, Peter Birch, featuring content and community about technology in healthcare. Between now and the end of June, we're conducting the 2024 Talking Health Tech Audience Survey. This helps us prioritize content, hone in key messages, and refine the show to make it even better. We also want to understand who the biggest cohorts of our audience are. So I'd love for you to take five or ten minutes to have your say and complete the survey. Everyone who completes it goes in the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of THT Plus membership credits to put towards a membership for yourself as an individual, or to help get the word out about your company. The link to complete the survey is in the show notes of this episode, or just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey.
1: Hey, Gihan, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Thanks for coming all the way to Melbourne.
2: <laughs> yeah, and great suburb, i got to say, in terms of location of the clinic and then the clinic itself. It's beautiful here, so it's great to be able to record this conversation. Those listening in can also see where we are as well on the video on YouTube or our website as well. But Gihan, I feel like I'm in a consultation with you here and that's the, yeah. I guess that adds to the vibe, but introduce yourself. Tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do. Yes. So I'm Gihan. I
1: think we've known for a long while now. Yeah, I've, yeah. I've been listening to your podcast. You're one of the OGs. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, It's
1: always been a pleasure knowing you <laughs> and then being part of this whole team as yeah. well. So I'm a GP. Yeah. General practice, I think, is more of a less understood area when it comes to technology. I think most technology, when it comes to health tech, are focused on large-scale hospital-based care, both in Australia and in the global stage as well. I think you are in Vegas uh, yeah. g- going to health conference just, just recently. Just recently, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. sure it was a lot of fun. From but Vegas but, to Victoria, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. my itinerary, yeah. <laughs> and you knew I had the call face now, so the good thing about general practice is you get to know patients when they're well, Mm. when they're unwell, when they're happy, when Mm. they're sad. It's not just about troubleshooting. In many cases, lots of people think they come and see a GP when they're unwell to troubleshoot. But in many cases, people come and see that long-term preventative care, for instance, and you get to Mm. know the patients, get to know their families, get to know their communities. So it's one of the many specialties where you get to know the patient long-term and treat not only when it comes to one specific issue, you're treating multiple issues over time, yeah. you know, where we create relationships. So from a baby to a 110-year-old, it's a journey. So that's why I'm pleased to be a GP today.
2: Yeah, yeah. There's a lot in that, isn't there? And in, in, in this very human service of healthcare, general practice is one that every Australian, every human kind of interacts with at some mm. point. But it's, as you say, it's relationship thing, not, it meant some people may take that for granted and may think about their GP visit more as a, a need to do and a transactional thing because they need to get their doctor's certificate, otherwise they're not going to get paid for being sick today. Mm-hmm. But then others as you say, they're the multi-generations that have come through for a long period of mm-hmm. time. So there's mm-hmm. certainly different factors at play there, right? Absolutely. And that's where we have a bit of a gap when it comes to technology as well. Mm. There are
1: apps out there that will give you a medical certificate, but patient never comes to see a GP for a medical certificate. Mm. That's just an outcome of a consultation, and an outcome of an interaction. The reason why patients come and see you is... Because they're unwell, the entire agenda is about how unwell they are, well they are, how to get them better. Yeah. And medical certificate is just a side note. Yeah. You don't see an electrician for (laughs) safety certificate. (laughs) Yeah. Electrician for some work done, and that's what we do. And yeah, so if technology can focus on that real life aspect of general practice, that that's an area where there's a lot of potential.
2: Yeah, and you touched on this before the side of not just treating someone when they're sick, but there's a role for a big part of what you do in the general practice side is actually around the prevention piece. Unpack that a little bit more for me. Tell me about why I can assume why that's important in terms of stopping people getting sick and then doing that. But what does that look like for you in general practice and how do you think about it?
1: Now, patients come in usually through these doors when they're unwell. We have 15 minutes or half an hour. Mm. I normally tend to spend about half an hour at our clinic here. Standard appointment is about half an hour because we do spend a lot of time on other things, just not the reason for a presentation. And what happens is then we talk about a specific issue and then we talk about the things such as sexual health, STI prevention, heart health assessments, Mm. smoking cessation, immunizations. (laughs) Lots of people don't even know what the current guidelines or what the advice is around COVID. And in fact, we have some very small numbers of COVID going around at the moment. And because it's not in the media, people don't know. And we're heading up to Christmas where we're expecting more patients to be unwell. So having vaccinated now, if you're in a high-risk category particularly, Mm. is a good thing. But those are the things patients in general don't know about. And that conversation that they come in for a medical certificate is the only opportunity sometimes they get to understand that bigger picture Mm. Another problem I have when it comes to technology is there are lots of stuff that are out there that are probably not evidence-based. So there are lots of collecting data, having like an Apple Watch in there, Mm. which is there are very helpful aspects there as well. But in many cases, general practice is all about undifferentiated presentation. So patients come with a whole heap of presentation or problems or signs or symptoms some of them are very useful. Some of them are not so much. And the GP's job is to differentiate those undifferentiated presentations or problems into a meaningful one. Mm. That's why general practice is a different specialty compared to other specialists yeah. where patients are usually differentiated and then they go see a cardiologist. Usually the background work has been done and at least we've figured
2: out why they need to see the cardiologist in the first place. Yeah. Well, I mean, you've got so many different sources of information coming right. from both angles right you've got yep. all the particularly during the everything changed every day from the covid side and yep. you've got to factor that in but then the patient comes not just with what they say but yes. what they've googled what tiktok videos they've watched yep. uh, like everything in there like because and their friends and their facebook groups that they've referred to and they're trying to synthesize that to you or show you something they've found and then that's your role to summarize that and do it effectively. Absolutely. And that's the hard part in general practice to go through
1: that uncertainty and figure out what's important and what's mm. not so much and focus on what's important. And sometimes when patients come in chest pain, for instance, sometimes we have to jump straight into cardiac causes because that's something that kill you. But the root cause of that could be something completely unrelated, something very much related to mental health in some cases. And knowing patients long term, sometimes knowing their families, knowing what they're going through, if their parents aren't well, if their children aren't well, if they're struggling at work, that background story is very important to actually identify what is going on. If we just go into a data set or just jump straight into AI and try Mm -hmm. to figure out pure yes-no data, you'd actually lose that human touch. That's why when it comes to collecting data as well, I'm very mindful and careful about what tests need to be done because there's something called pre- and post-test probability, for instance, when Mm. we are doing a test. Figuring out what's the meaning of doing a test, what's the meaning of collecting Mm. certain data through a variable, that meaning is very important to understand because at the end of the day, all data sets are data sets. There's always going to be a bell curve. There's always going to be... It's never a yes no answer when it comes to health data and diagnosis. It's always there are going to be error, for instance. So yeah. if I collect all your heart rate data, or if your watch is telling you you're mm. having an atrial fibrillation, figuring out what the online courses are, whether you're actually going through that, it's a bit of a job. And that's where AI technology and actual
2: real life. Call phase care can be a bit complicated. Yes, and I guess to build on that too, I would imagine there's w- one element of taking all these disparate bits of information mm. and, and synthesising them to give the meaning for you as the GP to be able to communicate that. But I guess if you're providing care, particularly from a preventative side for mm. a patient, you obviously need that patient. It's for the patient, it's not mm-hmm. for you. So you need to be able to bring that person along. And I know, and also from personal experience, when mm. you think about doing something that is a significant health intervention from a patient's point of view, when you think about the end result, that's you don't really know that pathway to Absolutely. be able to get fitter or quit smoking or drink, or like just be a better human. It's how do I start there? So how do you take people through that journey? Because it's one thing for you to understand, mm-hmm. but it's kind of pointless if the patient doesn't come along with you.
1: Absolutely. And that's a conversation I have with most of my patients. Mm. Lots of my patients, particularly in this suburb where we in Paran at the moment, uh, lots of my patients I see here are young, fit well people because of the demographics of the mm. area. They come and say, hey doc, let's test everything. Uh, I'm here <laughs> for a general checkup. Let's do everything. Yeah. And it's interesting to have that conversation with the patient. Sometimes it's actually easy to print out everything and you get mm. everything, go test yourself and come back. But what we do with the results is the hard part. Mm. So it's important to spend time with that patient and say, okay, what do you mean by everything? What's helpful? What's not helpful? Mm. I joke, it's actually not a joke. So if I do an, enough pregnancy tests on men, mm. some of them will actually <laughs> come back positive. Yeah. And it's a bit of cliche, but yeah. it's actually true. Mm. And that's because no test is 100% accurate. There's always going to be an error. An error rate in a blood-based beta CG or a pregnancy test is about 1 in 1,000 to 1 in 10,000. <laughs> So that's one mm-hmm. in ten thousand is a real number, you know. Mm-hmm. There's what, a few million people in this part of town only. And yeah. If I test every one of some of them, and that some of them will have a real reason why. So sometimes certain testicular cancers, for instance, will mm-hmm. cause that problem. But it's understanding what you're going to do with the results is the important part. At the College of GPs, we have a very valuable publication called RSCGP Red Book, which actually outlines the important parts of general practice where we can actively get involved in day-to-day care and find out what certain preventative strategies are going to be helpful. And it's actually not rocket science. Many of those preventative strategies in a young, fit-well person is about diet, is about exercise, is mm. about smoking cessation, vaping cessation is a huge oh, problem yeah. right now. So uh, alcohol, mental health, sleep, sexual health, mm. How they enjoying time with their family? When was your last holiday? Those are the conversations sometimes mm. we have. And this one patient who was, I mean, having this conversation, I said, "Hey, when was your last holiday?" And he was like, "I was about five or six years ago before COVID." And I think you need a mm. holiday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds very paternalistic, but I think it was a, it was a moment where he actually thought, "Hang on, I haven't had a holiday. That could actually be a problem." Yeah, let's think
0: about it. Right? But yeah.
2: surely those, and you know, in that example, whilst yeah. it may not that one. Intervention. One thing yes. that you do, whilst it may not get you from zero to a hundred percent, that incremental increase mm. surely by at least acting like what you're trying to be, you're fulfilling that process by little steps at a time, right?
1: There's something called marginal gains theory, and mm. I think if you're looking into that, there's a very interesting concept. Where in, in the UK, cycling team utilized this back in the early two thousands, where <laughs> they were doing lots of cycling. Again, this is my version of the story, but Wasn't winning, Mm. and the coach that they had at the time, and pardon me, I can't remember his name, but must be a visionary.
0: The Talking Health Tech podcast has evolved a lot over the years, all based on audience feedback. Now I need your help, yes, you, to shape the future of this show. Between now and the end of June, we're running our biggest campaign to date in order to understand what makes the global healthcare ecosystem tick. Last time we ran our Talking Health Tech audience survey, we learnt. 40% of our audience are clinicians, 77% of our audience tune in for professional development and market awareness, 8% of people listen to Talking Health Tech for competitor profiling, and only 2% of people listen to the podcast to fall asleep. And this time around, I can't wait to find out about your preferences for audio versus video content, which topics we should dive into more, preferences for hosts and formats and geographical reach and so much more. And don't worry, we'll be sharing all the insights once all the responses are collected as well. So if you're a supporter of Talking Health Tech and you can spare five or 10 minutes, please complete our 2024 audience survey. And to say thanks for your input, everyone who completes the survey goes into the draw to win a share of $1,000 worth of credits towards THT Plus membership. Go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey or the links in the show notes of this episode as well.
1: Came up with this idea where you take simple, straightforward, small steps. And simple, straightforward, small steps over time make a huge difference. That's what we should do in general practice. That's what we should actually focus on when it comes to health technology as well. Yeah, Those simple steps are the stuff that's going to help us as clinicians at mm. the cold face, as a patient. Those simple steps will then create a chain reaction and will eventually make huge changes when it comes to a healthy population.
2: Yeah, I love that. Look, I guess leaning to that then the marginal gains concept, both from a patient side in getting better care, Mm -hmm. but you said as well in terms of technology and healthcare and what we can do there. Talk to me about with you as a GP, you've got some pretty cool kit on the thing here. (laughs) So not as someone who's leaning into the technology side, how have you seen the role of technology and general practice leading up to this point and then beyond? Absolutely. Very good question.
1: Yeah. The biggest problem for us is time. Patients Mm. come here usually for a troubleshooting issue. Usually we have 15 minutes, sometimes half an hour. So our standard appointment here is half an hour. We also have a 15 minute brief appointment. Sometimes that's very, that's cool. That's rare. 15 15 (laughs) is brief. Yes. And I think we train our patients in a way to utilize that time wisely. But sometimes patients say on the like you're on the way out, by the way, doctor, while I'm here. Uh, yeah. And then they drop the big issue, and then oh, <laughs> let's sort that out. So that's a hard part in general practice because time management is a very difficult one to sort out sometimes. Mm-hmm. The general practice, particularly in Australia, and that's what it's meant to be as a specialty, we are meant to look after the volume. We are meant to look after a whole group of patients. And the systems, in a way, set up to incentivize that as well. So volume, Medicare, bulk billing is a huge problem now where we can't sustain with the amount of funding that's coming from Medicare because it is actually focused very much on volume, Mm -hmm. which is a strength of general practice. But finding that balance between volume and quality, that's what general practice is all about. Yeah. So if I have 15 minutes with you, if I have half an hour with you, still, I I might talk about two or three things. I will still need to use my time to do notes. There's a bit of bureaucracy around Medicare, and actually, there's a lot of bureaucracy (laughs)
2: That's very generous. Yeah. Yeah, So those
1: small (laughs) steps sometimes take a lot of time. So I think I can come back to that marginal gains principle, Mm. where at the end of the day, the conversation with the patient is the most valuable part. We are making changes, simple things like sometimes smoking cessations. We have that very gentle conversation. And next time the patient, goes, so we don't want to sound paternalistic and push mm. them away as well. And sometimes next time say they come back and say, hey, doc, I listened to you. And I think that was very important. And yeah. I figured, and I, I I stopped smoking or vaping. Mm. So that's very rewarding in a way in general practice. But yeah, so making small changes in a limited period of time, we've got to come up with strategies to improve time yep. management and you know, if you have strategies around technology
2: where we can improve our productivity, yeah, that's one of those marginal gains kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 And I guess because you pointed out, there's a lot of reporting requirements or just things that you need to do as a GP from a, in order for everyone to get paid or to get their results or for the system to work correctly, you've got to fill out a lot of fields and Absolutely. those fields need to then shoot off to other places. So I guess it sounds like then... One of the needs then from a technology side is to think about that, where can you, like by shaving off a minute or two those marginal gains yes. in a consultation that makes a meaningful impact.
1: Absolutely. And I think we'll talk about the Stream Deck a little bit. So yeah, that, that was it. a yeah. really good piece of technology. And it was designed for gamers or, and streamers online yeah, yeah. too. If you don't know much about, I'm sure you do, but there are there's audience who don't know much about Stream Deck. It's a little device that's sitting over here. I think we can take a couple of shots later, but yeah. essentially you can program it to run multiple, what we call macros or multiple tasks in one go. Yeah. During COVID vaccination time, this was like, it was a huge time saver. Mm, it's like uh, a little control center on ab- your thing. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So just sitting here. So there's a number of icons that are created here. Yeah. We'll probably go back. this in more detail, but I'll come back to the COVID vaccination part. So I've got an icon here that's created for the stream deck. So essentially, when patients came in during those dark days of COVID, Mm. people lined up 50 to 100 to sometimes 400 people lining up to get their COVID vaccine. And there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of fear, a lot of questions that we had to go through. And at the same time, it comes back to that volume principle as well. We had to mm. vaccinate 400 people in a limited period of time. Mm. And so this set up in a way to ease that task that way we can spend more time with the patient talking about their fears and uncertainties and talk about how COVID vaccine would have been helpful. Mm. But what I did do those days is if you at the end of the conversation or consult, you still need to do your notes. You still need to write down which arm you had your COVID vaccine. It was the first dose, the second dose, the fourth dose, what mm. the batch number was, what the expiry date was. We had to upload all that information to your My Health record or Australian mm-hmm. Immunization Registry. Then we had to come back to the software and close the note, and then we had different item numbers. We come back to bureaucracy for different doses. So you had to remember them, add the right number. There are different Medicare rebates for mm. first dose versus second dose versus where they had... We had a prolonged conversation with the patient. So that part where you do that paperwork or that part where you use your computer, it would take about good two, three minutes per patient mm. to do that. Now, if you spent four minutes doing that on the computer, you won't have time to have a chat with the patient and you won't have time to give the vaccine. So this was very helpful because that's all set up in these buttons. So if you're coming in for your third dose and you're having on your left arm, mm. all I needed to do was to press that button button, I can show you how the macros are run in the background mm. under the boot. What it does, it usually runs about, about 40 to 60 steps and in that one button. Yeah, uh, right. So you press the one button, it'll do your notes, which we can alter depending on the conversation we had. It'll add the batch number and upload that information and do all of that within 21 seconds as Mm. opposed to four minutes. So, that's a huge difference in time where we could improve quality time we spend with the patient
2: and also improve our productivity. Yeah. But this is like something that I find fascinating because Mm -hmm. it's not like Stream Deck came out with a general practice module. And it's it's a very- I wouldn't think it was their target. I could be wrong, but I don't think the general practice- landscape in Australia is the target market for Stream Deck. (laughs) However, it speaks to this point that we always touch on, which is the role of technology isn't to get in the way of things and to make it, it sounds dumb to say, Mm. but it's just what we do. We Mm. build technology that gets in the way of providing care because we think it it might help. However, Mm. in this example, if you need to click 26 times and do this, there's probably just, and you're going to keep doing the same thing over and over run a macro and better yet than doing a cable trick, I press one button on yep. your thing and then away Absolutely. you go. So that makes so much sense.
1: That again comes down to that marginal gains theory. Now, when we go to big conferences and health tech conferences and mm. talk with investors, technologists, there's a big focus on big picture, there's big focus on hospitals, there's big focus on things that radicalise healthcare, but in many cases, again, I might sound a bit cliche but there are lots of solutions out there looking for a problem yes but what we really need is something very small that can resolve a problem we already have Mm. and that's a brilliant example of that we're just using very simple technology there's probably a bit of hard work to do to actually set it up and it's i can't take all the credit for it because lots of doctors got together at my Couple of clinics that I work with, and then through Tech for Docs that uh, you're also a member yeah, of, the it's group, free, yeah. not for profit, like you know, no non-commercial Facebook yeah. group. Lots of doctors talk to each other. We share our Stream Deck profiles, and we come up with the ideas. And uh, yeah, so there, there are
2: so many patients. I, I think I'm- it's such an <laughs> Australian GP thing to do, though. Like, yeah, but it's the nature of, I guess, the nature. I don't want to get too philosophical about yeah. it. The really good GPs, you mentioned it before about investigating digging deep and that relationship aspect like it's not surface level give me the solution and i'll just use it like Mm. you've gone deep into the guts of working out how to build something to in the end solve a problem that you face on a day-to-day that's That's amazing. And we'll do uh, probably a separate video or something to go through what that looks like in more Mm -hmm. detail for those that really want to dive into. I think that'd be really cool. Absolutely. So, then as you were talking through then earlier, Gihan, you mentioned that you you talked about just the way that healthcare is funded and the different stakeholders. And you also touched on that. I was in the US uh, a week or two ago. Yep. Speaking with a lot of providers the payers and the focus in the US is very much around the payers and yep. that model because you know it's quite different in the US where employers are very much involved in the healthcare side because that's mm-hmm. where the insurance comes from whereas mm-hmm. here in Australia historically a lot of Australians assume healthcare is a right and is free and that's amazing that we've got that however As you also touched on, there's been a lot of pressure and we haven't moved with the times in terms of remunerating GPs for that in comparison to everything else. So, the landscape of GP is continually changing and the private billing model is increasingly more common, but there are different stakeholders involved, particularly from a preventative side as well, because from a patient side- it's not just in my own interest that I'm good too. From a bigger macroeconomic side, from an employer side, there's a lot of benefit too. So, surely these stakeholders are all going to play a part. How are you thinking about that different changing stakeholder landscape over the last five, 10 years and what that might look like moving forward? Absolutely. I think you
1: you raised a valid point there. One of the problems I have in general practice right now, particularly looking after relatively fit well population is those patients very rarely come to a GP Mm. they come to a GP when they're unwell and then they talk about all this preventative stuff so in the first place if they didn't need that medical certificate or if they didn't get unwell or if they didn't have to come to the GP for their cervical screening or their pill that is that whole opportunity is missed so that's why we're focusing on even having online platforms where those simple things are done in a way it can cause negative impact yeah because it gets you out of that opportunistic care. I personally think, so again, when it comes to patients between let's say 20 and 50, when they are going through their ups and downs in their career, when they're going through their day-to-day life, like that opportunity is missed because that's usually the healthy population who will never come and see a GP. I don't know the stats on top of my head, but I'm pretty sure a very small population of those age group will come and see mm. the GP. I'll talk about menopause, for instance. Like when women go through menopause in their 50s or like in know late 40s to mid 50s, there's a lot of stigma, there's a lot of unknowns. People think, hey, what's going on? I, that whole population, it takes time and insight to even come and see a GP. And some of these problems, patients and everyone around and sometimes even doctors tend to normalize it therefore we miss that opportunity of actually assessing that problem. Hmm. Women going through menopause, they're at the top of their career, then they're finding certain, let's say, hot flushes type symptoms and Hmm. sometimes cognitive brain fog type symptoms. And that is something that's missed. And by the time they come to a GP, we might have missed two, three years of care. So if we can have a model where those patients can come and see a GP earlier on and to talk about preventative care and to talk about things that they might not identified, that opportunity is going to be very helpful. Now, I think in America, it works really well because it happens through your employer. And there's a model where employers funding their care Whereas here we are mostly reliant upon Medicare and private health funding. I think there's a missed opportunity there. And if we can get employers involved in their care, not only it will improve productivity, if you look Mm. at the big pictures, you have a healthy group of people working with you. And also it will improve, or there's some stats about return of investments of for employer-based care of $1 to $5 <laughs> And also it creates loyalty. And that's something that we don't think about in Australia because particularly people working from home these days or off and so on, we tend to go away from that personal touch. But having a model where employer can get involved in providing that care and open a door will actually create loyalty. That's why in America, people are reluctant to change their careers or jobs. And sometimes because they have that loyalty about the employer looking after you for a long period of time. Mm. So again, that's a win-win situation for the patient and for the employer and for the entire population.
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see how that landscape changes over time in Australia, modeling off different parts and seeing how that that changes. So, I guess taking all that into consideration, Gihan, mm-hmm. thinking about the opportunities for technology in this changing landscape and the importance of general practice in the broader healthcare system in Australia, what are you most excited about in terms of future of this space? Where would you like to see it go? And also, what could- all those different stakeholders be thinking about and perhaps working towards whether it's from the GP side that's looking to get more involved from the technology piece or from the other side the technology vendors looking to be involved but actually have some meaningful problems to solve. So, Absolutely. Yeah.
1: A good start for those technologies so investors would also be to have a chat with their own GP or have a GP. Yeah, right. <laughs> and sometimes, yes, as I said, those small things around. A huge problem for us right now is communication between hospitals and GPs, the communication between GPs and GPs. And mm. um, if I call an ambulance, how do I hand over that information? So technology can help us in creating those channels. Like you know, AI can help us because at the end of the day, most of those communication channels are based on a data set and language models. Things like handover, things like communication, things
2: like a simple stream deck. Yeah. Small things. That's what we are looking for. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Gihan, appreciate you making the time having a chat. And let's have a play with the stream deck after this. And perhaps we'll do that as a separate bonus video for people watching on YouTube. Thanks so much and looking forward to chatting again soon. My pleasure. And thank you very much for your time as well.
0: Hey, thanks for sticking around to the end of this episode. If you made it this far, you're the perfect person that I want to hear from. Our THT Plus audience survey is now open until the end of June, and I personally read every submission. In fact, if you leave a comment in the survey that you heard this promotion in a podcast episode, I promise I'll reply directly to you by email with a personal note of thanks, and I'll even buy your coffee next time I see you in person. It's pretty easy. Just go to talkinghealthtech.com slash survey and have your say. For more content and community about technology and healthcare, visit TalkingHealthTech.com.